Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. From the first time I set my eyes on you I didn't know from the start I didn't know how you turned my life around Ah, marriage. Of all the wonderful things God created, marriage is one of the most mysterious. A man and a woman. Two distinct individuals with completely separate lives join together and make a covenant to spend the rest of their lives together, serving and loving one another through times of joy and hardship. Marriage is wonderful, but at times it can be challenging. And for an olive tree marriage, which is a marriage between a Jew and a Gentile, the challenges can be even more unique. On today's episode, we have invited two married couples from our ministry to share about the trials and triumphs of being in an olive tree marriage. Today we have Dennis and Tina Karp. Dennis is a returning guest on Our Hope and he and his wife, Tina, serve at Son of David Messianic Congregation in Maryland. We also have Toby and Natalie Mann. Toby is a student from our Feinberg Center for Messianic Jewish Studies in Brooklyn and he and his wife, Natalie, are on staff with Chosen People Ministries. So first, let me say to all of you, welcome to Our Hope. Thank you for being here. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Thank you. Thanks. So we are all on Zoom, and uh, we, it's going to be an interesting uh, conversation. Uh, so we have Toby and Natalie, you, you are together in the same room, but Tina and Dennis, you guys are separated, <laughs> not you know, on Zoom. Like You guys yeah. aren't in the same place, right? You didn't kick Dennis out the house or anything. <laughs> no. We might be separated after this call. You never know. <laughs> no corny jokes allowed, Dennis. Okay. Well, thank you both, uh, everyone, for being here. Um, I know you all know each other very well. Can you talk a little bit about your backstory, how you all know each other? Well, I guess I can start, Abe, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, at Son of David Congregation, uh, Toby's dad, Charlie, uh, for a long time has been a member here and serving here and been an elder, and I've served with him on the elder board. So I met uh, Toby through his mom and dad, Charlie and Judy. And Toby, is that true? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. We met them at Son of David and Dennis and Tina uh, walked us through our marriage counseling, and they've been a really big part of us um, pursuing ministry. They really have encouraged us, empowered us as leaders of Son of David. And Dennis was the one who first actually brought up the Feinberg to Toby. That's awesome. So we're all 
family here. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, so Dennis and Tina, how did you two meet? We um, actually, I was uh, managing a restaurant and we were about ready to open. And um, Tina was one of the people that came in and applied for work. And so um, she came on staff and that's, that's basically how we met. Um, at the time, I was not a believer. I would guess, Tina, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. She was a believer, but not really walking with the Lord. Uh, but that's how we first met. Yes. We started dating shortly after that. Great. And Toby and Natalie? Yes. So we met while we were in college. And similar to what Dennis said, we were not walking with the Lord during that time. Mm -hmm. And we actually met at a nightclub in D.C. It was in the Spanish room of a salsa club. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me you dance uh, I got a little moves I got some moves he does I totally thought that he was like from Argentina or something because of his <laughs> skin and light eyes <laughs> that's awesome so Natalie would you did you notice anything different about each other's cultures when you found out that he was Jewish uh, was there anything that like stood out to you yeah. Um, well, when Toby shared with me that his family was Messianic, uh, they were Messianic Jews, I did not, I was not familiar with that term. Hmm. So um, my first instinct when I don't know about something that I'm approached by, I start reading and um, looking for resources to understand because I felt very ignorant. Hmm. Uh, I didn't have many Jewish friends growing up. Um, and if they, if I did, they were very, um, just culturally, not religious in any way. So I actually signed up for a course. I, I needed to fill a history credit and I took the history of the Jews and I learned so much. And I was so excited. I would call him and be like, did you know about Purim and <laughs> the story of Esther? And like, I'm explaining all these things. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I know that. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah. So that was the biggest difference for me. You took a whole course just for him. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and to fulfill my history credit. <laughs> that is very cool. So, uh, Dennis and Tina, did you notice anything different? Dennis, I'm assuming you weren't religious. Tina, you, you really weren't. Yeah, I wasn't walking with the Lord. I, I was a believer, but I was not walking with the Lord. I had become very disillusioned. So, yeah. So was that like a, a common ground for you both? Or did you still recognize Jew Gentile in that moment? Actually, more than Jew Gentile, because I had a lot of Jewish friends growing up in Montgomery County. So the majority of them were Jewish, but with more of our age difference, we're 11 and a half, 12 years apart. So I was 19 turning 20 and he was 31. Hmm. So there was more of that than there was um, any difference between the Jewish Gentile thing. Um, so we started dating and shortly after that, we started living together mm -hmm. for about a year. And then he asked me to marry him on the 4th of July. And we got married one week later, um, wow. about a year after we met. So, um, yeah. Also in, in, regard to Ju in regard to Judaism, um, back then my mental paradigm was sure I'm Jewish, but that's not my identity. I had pretty much walked away from synagogue, walked away from Judaism and just decided I was gonna get in the business community and make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there was really a lot of conflict at that time uh, between Jew and Gentile because I was fine with anything as long as my paycheck was big. 
So, right. but Dennis, what about family? Was family in the picture at this point when you were dating Tina? Uh, family was in the picture only because uh, they didn't like the fact that I had married someone so much younger than I am. And also hmm. uh, that I had married someone who was Gentile. That was something that was important, I guess, to my mom and dad. Right. Uh, not important to me at the time. They did not come to our wedding. Mm. His parents and Dennis is an only child. Wow. So that was a big deal. But his uh, uncles and aunts who all lived in the area came to our wedding. Hmm. And uh, his parents lived in Florida at the time, and we got married in Maryland. Um, so that was a bit hurtful, but ignorance is bliss. They just said they couldn't make it, and I was 19 turning 20, and and I believed them, you know. So, um, you know, as we got to know them, they would come up and visit. And, uh, you know, his mother did not like me very much, um, hmm. and she kind of made that clear. Um, my parents, my, my mother, uh, was fine. She just wanted to know that I was taken care of by a good person and, and Dennis was a good person. So my family didn't have any problem with it. Toby, Natalie, any input here? Did, did you guys have any of, of that experience? I'm assuming not because Toby, your family was messianic. Uh, but was were there any cultural clashes happening, uh, when you started dating, moving toward marriage? I would say regarding my family, my parents loved and still do love Natalie. And the most important thing for them is they really wanted me to marry someone who loved the Lord and who was a believer. Mm -hmm. And so that was the most important thing for them. So I, I know you two met when you weren't believers. So was there any tension at that point? I would say no. Um, it's funny, we actually just spoke about this with my in-laws recently, and they were always just very open um, and respectful of um, Toby's choices mm -hmm. and, and who to date. And um, they were kind, they were always praying for us and they were able to kind of see the the journey that we took. And, and about a year and a half into dating is when we decided to really seek the Lord and we decided that we wanted to um, lead a life that is pleasing um, to the Lord. And in doing so, I was really able to immerse myself in the messianic world with Toby mm -hmm. and learn and really embraced it. So it was actually really special because I remember telling Toby, like, I would like to have a, a Jewish ceremony, mm -hmm. like the chuppah, the blessings, all that. And I remember sitting with my mother-in-law and sharing that with her. And just literally, she started, tears were coming down her eyes. She was just so happy. Hmm. So we always had a very good relationship. They were always very patient with us and um, accepting of us. And my family loved Toby because um, he could dance and he could uh, speak Spanish. And <laughs> <laughs> he was a lot of fun. Toby's very personable. So he swept them off their feet very early on. Mm. That's awesome. You're both <laughs> very integrated in each other's culture. Yes. I kind of want to talk about one, I would love to talk about your kids. What what have been the challenges for your children uh, growing up with being both Jewish and Gentile? Um, and do they know? Well, tell me, Natalie, you have younger children, so maybe that, this question is appropriate for you. Do they realize their Jewishness um, and also being Gentile as well? Is that something that they are aware of or do they struggle with? Uh, how, how do they perceive that? 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it's funny, I think before we moved up to New York, um, I don't think they really understood or realized the difference. Mm -hmm. But when we moved up to Brooklyn, we lived in a very Orthodox Jewish neighborhood. And so our oldest daughter, Sophia, who is six, um, she would ask questions like, who are these people dressed in black and yeah. wear black hats? And so mm -hmm. we started to explain more about Judaism. And, you know, there's people that look differently, mm. even within Judaism. And so we shared, you know, I explained to her that I'm Jewish. And so both her and her sister are Jewish as well. And but their mothers from uh, her family background is from Nicaragua and Central America. And so it's funny when we came back to visit family in Maryland, Sophia asked, where are all the Jewish people? <laughs> right. So, but it's something that she understands now. Um, I'm not sure about Olivia. Olivia's three. I don't think she understands yet. <laughs> yeah, Sophia's yeah. definitely more vocal. And I think one really funny moment that I can remember with Sophia is um, when Toby was explaining to her the difference uh, that that Abba is Jewish mm -hmm. and, and mommy's family's from Nicaragua, she, I guess, immediately was like, wow, like she wasn't registering that she is both at mm -hmm. that moment. And she just got really upset. And she was like, mommy, I really want you to be Jewish. I want to be Jewish <laughs> so bad, mommy. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, it was a sweet moment. And the carps, what you have... How many kids? 12? We have five. <laughs> five kids and so, they're all grown. Yeah, they're all grown. So how was it for them growing up? And I, I know you, you all lived in Israel for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you, I think you need to describe our, our kids in terms of uh, before Dennis came to faith and after Dennis came That's to right. faith. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, our two oldest were born before I came to faith. And I think that at that time, I mean, we had Christmas trees, we had Hanukkah menorahs, we did a little bit of everything. And it, it was just very cultural and very societal, mm. if you know what I mean. Um, after I came to faith, um, my coming to faith actually rediscovered my, my Jewish identity. Wow. And so it was at that point that um, we started doing things, quote unquote, Jewish a little bit more. But I don't think, Tina, there was any conflicts or anything with the kids do you no no there wasn't any conflict with the kids we did not have a christmas tree after that we always had a christmas tree for the first 10 years of our marriage mm -hmm. when you weren't a believer um and then after that i think we probably had a christmas tree once or twice but uh we were attending a messianic congregation son of david and as we were learning and dennis was being mentored by the pastor or the messianic leader and I was being mentored because it was the first time that anybody had ever mentored me in mm. the things of the Lord and the Bible. We started to grow and live a messianic lifestyle. And oftentimes that just doesn't include a Christmas tree. We celebrate the birth of Messiah during right. Hanukkah. Um, so my kids, um, uh, on my side of the family on Christmas Day, we would always go visit my mother or my sister or my brother on Christmas Day. And then um, on Hanukkah, we would celebrate that at our house. They knew that they were Jewish. They understood. Um, we also started another congregation. And so they've always been a part of a Messianic congregation. Mm -hmm. um, so they didn't have any conflict of understanding the Jewishness and the Gentile um, differences. Mm -hmm. What about in Israel? How, how was their experience uh, 
particularly the younger ones growing up in Israel, um, going to school, being embedded in the culture. Um, what was it like for them? That was amazing for them. Mm. It was extremely difficult because they were all young teenagers when we moved to Israel and younger. Um, one was six, one was 11, one was 13, and one was 15. Wow. And so, um, and Ryan was already out of the house and in college, so he did not move with us. But um, they went to an ulpan, which is a, a immersion in Hebrew for a year mm-hmm. for their schooling. And they went right into uh, Hebrew-speaking school from that point on. So they're all fluent in Hebrew. But it was very, very hard adjustment, especially the first year. We were not able to attend a a congregation regularly um, because we were advised not to because of our faith. Dennis, I'll let you pick up there if if that's where you want to go with yeah, we had to be we had to be very careful when we went there because the Department of Interior could still kick us out if mm. they found out that we were Jewish believers. Um, it, there was one interesting thing in that um, because Tina is Gentile and I am Jewish, there were occasions where some people in the public school system wouldn't agree to the fact that our children was Jew were Jewish wow. because they're right. Gentile, um, and there was a little bit of discrimination. Uh, because of that. But I will say that their Jewish identity was increased many, many times uh, just by living in Israel and living a Messianic Jewish lifestyle. Yes. And there are a lot of Messianic Jewish people, over 30,000 now in Israel. And those are the ones who will admit it. Mm -hmm. And um, my kids loved Israel. And there was some persecution uh, taking one of my daughters to school. And they said, well, you know, we said we're citizens, and they said, well, we're a religious school, which means uh, religious, but not in a negative way in Israel, meaning that they are following Torah and everything, which mm-hmm. is fine. But uh, they, they said that my daughter was not Jewish. She would have to convert to Judaism mm. to go to that school. And we told them, no, no she does not have to convert to Judaism. She's already Jewish Mm -hmm. and um, we're not wanting to come to your school anyway. So was that because uh, you were Messianic Jews or because you were Jew and Gentile? Because I'm Gentile and you know, Israel goes by if the mother's Jewish, the child's Jewish. Right. So it would be the same with Toby and Natalie. If they moved to Israel and made Aliyah, their kids would not be considered Jewish either. However, they're Jewish enough to serve in the army and mm-hmm. do everything else, but they would be considered non-Jews. Wow. We'll be right back. Shalom. My name is Nicole Vaca, and I'm one of the co-producers of Our Hope podcast. We created Our Hope to be a window into the Messianic community, a place where we can discuss Israel and the Bible, and a resource for people who want to share their faith more effectively and compassionately with the Jewish community. If you are interested in supporting what we do, you can donate to Chosen People Ministries at chosenpeople.com slash donate. You can also support us by sharing this podcast on social media with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for your support, and we hope you enjoy the rest of this episode.
shifting the conversation a little bit. Um, how has uh, your, I'll use the phrase olive tree marriage. Um, how has your olive tree marriage been uh, helpful in sharing the gospel with Jewish people? Um, have there been unique opportunities because, you know, one is Jewish, one is Gentile? Toby, you want to answer that? Yeah, that's a, another great question. And I think um, it depends on what type of Jewish person you're talking to. Definitely being in Brooklyn, we were surrounded by more religious or Orthodox Jewish people. And I had many conversations with them. And it's something that they were, to put it, put it nicely, not a big fan of, right. um, that I did not marry a Jewish woman. Mm-hmm. But for most Jewish people in the country, most are secular. And many Jewish people, the inner marriage rate is very high right now mm-hmm. within the Jewish culture, Jewish community. Um, and I just think, you know, an olive tree marriage, just real quickly to share what I believe is a beautiful picture. I believe the olive tree is a metaphor in the New Testament book of Romans that describes how Jews and Gentiles come together through a common faith in Jesus or Yeshua Mm -hmm. as the Messiah. And so for us, it's just a beautiful way to live out our life that Natalie and I are both, and that I'm Jewish and she's Gentile, that Jew and Gentile, one in Messiah, and how we can live in harmony. Um, And it's, I just think, a, a beautiful picture to share with the world. That's beautiful. You know, for us, I think that in, in the States, I, I haven't seen any real advantage or disadvantage to the fact that Tina and I are in olive tree marriage. Mm-hmm. But while we were living in Israel, there were parts of it that were an advantage mm-hmm. because um, Tina would be part of, of Messianic, not Messianic, but of Israeli dances. She used to go three, four times a week. She would meet a lot of Jewish Orthodox women. And because she was Gentile, they kind of expected her to talk about Jesus. Now, they, they did, yeah. That wouldn't be the same for me. And so I remember a number of times we would have people over for a Shabbat dinner sitting at the table and they'd be talking with Tina and sharing all this stuff and kind of giving me glances like, you know, he's the Jewish guy who believes. <laughs> and finally, by the end of dinner, when they were comfortable and full, uh, then we'd have some conversations. So it was different there than here. Can I add to that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, there was a time where uh, one of the women who was, uh, lived in New York half the time and Israel half the time, who's a very close friend, um, we went over to her house during Sukkot and sat in their sukkah with she and her husband. And, um, you know, she knew Dennis was a believer and she loved me. Okay. <laughs> and so um, she was a little worried about her husband. But right. uh, he was a Moroccan Jew who was born in Israel, mm-hmm. and they just loved us, and they actually helped us work on our taxes because they live in America and, <laughs> and Israel too, and yeah. it was great. And they, I remember him saying to me when I visited them in New York, I don't understand why Israel gives you such a hard time for believing in Yeshua. You should be able to believe what you want, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't threatening, you know, in that way. And I think, I think the Gentiles have an in with the Jewish people because I think most, even secular, especially secular Jews, they are not going to walk up to another Jewish person who's a believer and ask a question if they have one as easily as they would a Gentile Mm -hmm. if they have a question, because it's like, 
then the Jewish, they're going to think the Jewish person is wondering, oh, are they interested in this? Mm-hmm. You know, but the Gentile, they're supposed to believe in that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah totally. I think the Jewish people, uh, you know, go to the Gentiles a lot. I've, I have people coming to me asking questions, and I know members of our congregation that are Gentile. One worked in a hospital, mm-hmm. and she always had Jewish people asking her questions. And then she would call Dennis and say, come meet this person. You know, this person's interested in hearing more and, you know. So in that way, it affected the Jew-Gentile thing was a a good good way. Yeah. Question for Natalie. You alluded to this before. You you said that you took a Jewish course um, and you kind of just, you know, for your wedding, you wanted to do some traditional things that are typically done at Jewish weddings. So... How would you say that being um, in an olive tree marriage impacted you spiritually while keeping your Gentile identity? Um, And and the reason I ask that is because people, I know there are a lot of Gentiles that wish they were Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, they kind of have like this thing that, man, I just want to find if I'm Jewish, you know, you know, check my DNA. Am I Jewish? Am I Jewish? (laughs) You know, (laughs) so. You know, and, and and that's fine and all that. There's a there's a beauty to that, um, and I get it. But you know, how has being in this marriage impacted you spiritually? But also, how have you you know kept your Gentile identity? And third question to that: How is that also spilling over to your children? Okay, those are some really good questions. Um, for me, I think. Uh, I used to worship in a church that was a mega church prior to meeting Toby and before I took my sabbatical from the faith uh, (laughs) for when I met him, right? Um, And there was really, I didn't, I was never really discipled. There was no accountability. It was easy kind of to come and go. I would go on Sundays, but I wasn't serving or anything. So I feel at that point, um, I understood uh, that Jesus was the son of God or Yeshua was the son of God. And I believed mm-hmm. that, but my faith was very shallow. And uh, my understanding of the scriptures was also very um, shallow at that point. I would say more culturally, I was a nominal Christian at that point. Mm-hmm. But meeting Toby and um, getting involved in Son of David was was huge for me. It was a big adjustment because, you know, I was not used to liturgy or um, the dancing that they did or, you know, just all the, there were so so many symbolic things that I had not been exposed to. Mm-hmm. And now I appreciate their beauty, like Passover, every part of Passover is so beautiful. And it's definitely enriched my understanding of the scriptures. And because we're a smaller community, um, to really feel a family of faith, I hadn't felt that before. Um, so that's been wonderful. For example, when I had my first child, they set up a meal train. That was like, I had never heard of that being done before, but it was just this caring and this love. And even for me, simple things, um, but put into its context um, uh, in regards to Jewish culture, like realizing that the first disciples were Jewish. So they were Messianic Jews. They were the first Messianic Jews. That was mind blowing for me because that was never preached in the evangelical church that I was attending. Mm -hmm. So for me, it got me excited. I was like, Toby, like, we have to share this. This is huge. Like, this will change people's faith radically. And this, um, it gave me a huge understanding of where the Jewish people fall in God's plan. Like, I always knew they were God's chosen people, but I didn't know why and to what extent. Mm. And so that has really uh, revolutionized my faith um, 
and I appreciate the messianic world for opening my eyes to that. Um, and in regards into keeping my own cultural faith, like Toby mentioned, my family, both my parents are immigrants from Nicaragua. So I'm a first generation American, uh, food, music. We have a huge family. We are big and we are loud and <laughs> we like to dance and there is always a microphone and a guitar around and we have a lot of fun together <laughs> and a lot of good food, <laughs> a lot of great food. Um, so that's one thing, like even at our wedding, we, um, had, uh, Nicaraguan folklore dance in the middle of our wedding just to represent my culture. So I think we're always conscious of how to integrate both. And um, that's another reason I also love Messianic Judaism, because I feel like it's the middle way between um, the Jewish faith and then also my kids are learning of Yeshua. So it's for my kids, it's been awesome. Right now we're living with my parents mm -hmm. and, you know, they're picking up Spanish, Spanish. We try to enforce Spanish um, in our household. Um, they love the food, rice and beans almost every day. Oh, Sophia could yes. eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so I think big, a big thing is just for them to um, just be around my family, be around our families and they see the differences and they embrace both. And yeah. Tina, did you want to contribute to this question? Um, I actually, it's very similar to what Natalie said at the beginning. Um, when I first started attending Son of David, uh, at that point, we had two children out of five. And um, I was learning for the first time in my life also about the Hebraic roots of the faith that we don't learn in New Testament churches. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, a lot of times it's just the stories of the Old Testament in, in a lot of churches, not all, but a lot of them. And so um, the little bit of time that I did go to church was a wonderful Baptist church in Silver Spring, Maryland. But I was about 11 to 14 when I went there and I was I went there by myself. I didn't go there with my parents. Um, so when I did join, you know, we started attending Son of David uh, congregation I was blown away also by the Hebraic roots of the faith, realizing that, you know, uh, that the first disciples were Jewish and everything Natalie just said, you know, I didn't know any of that. Um, it was awesome. Mm. Um, so yeah, same, same, same story. I think a lot of, and that is also something that as far as our marriage affecting Gentiles, I think, Dennis, that we are able to say, we're able to explain to our neighbors like Danielle about the Hebraic roots of the faith. She's a strong believer, mm. but she didn't know about the Hebraic roots and pa Passover and Sukkot and what that symbolizes, you know? So we have been able to share that with, with other Christians, you know, that are, you know, go to regular churches. That is awesome. So this is a question for all of you. We have two generations here. Uh, Toby and Natalie, you're millennials, right? That is correct. <laughs> and Tina and Dennis, you are old. Oh. Should I say? <laughs> no, I'm not. No, excuse, me. excuse me. No. At least mine. We'll say a little bit older than that. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that, you know, Dennis, your family, your, your parents had issue with uh, you marrying a Gentile and Toby, your parents were totally fine with it. And I think, you know, there are little, some differences, but I, but I'm also seeing just in culture, um, that there is, is more of an acceptance of 
um, interracial, intercultural um, marriages. So what do you think is the future of Jew-Gentile marriages? Like, can you kind of like see, you know, 10, 20 years from now, um, maybe let's focus on Israel, you know, how, how, what does that even look like in Israel? Would you say that there's going to be less challenges in the years to come, more acceptance? Um, do you, the experiences, Dennis and Tina, you had in Israel, do you think that's going to shift? That's going to change? What are your thoughts on that? Y'all let you talk on that, Dennis. That's a lot of questions, Abe. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in the future, what we're going to find is that the pattern of intermarriage is going to continue to increase. As Toby mentioned earlier, um, even today, more than 50% of Jewish people are married uh, to non-Jews. So I think that's going to increase. But I think the uh, I think that the difference is that there's not going to be so much of a conflict in Jewish Gentile marriages, especially in Israel. I think what's going to happen is in Israel and all around the world, there's going to be a conflict in any marriage that lifts the Messiah up as their savior in their life. Hmm. Because just as intermarriages are increasing, I think even more falling away from God uh, is increasing. So in that way, an olive tree marriage or any marriage in Messiah uh, is just an incredibly necessary witness to a world who, as we see, you know, in our current day is falling away from God. Mm -hmm. And I do want to add one thing. After 10 years, when Dennis became a believer, we had, we renewed our vows and we had a full wedding over again with the gown and a whole reception and under the chuppah and our first wedding was also under the chuppah and by a rabbi a reformed rabbi uh this time we got married by messianic leader mm -hmm. and um dennis's parents did come to our second wedding wow and over the years they learned to like me <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't uh bad for you know yeah. very long it, yeah. they just had to adjust right right yeah. toby thoughts natalie yeah, no, I um I agree with what Dennis said, and I think again, um, I don't know what the future has in store, but I, you know, looking at trends and where the Jewish people who they're marrying, it's like Dennis said, well over fifty percent the intermarriage rate, and that's more amongst secular. That's not within the religious community, um, but my hope and prayer is that these olive tree marriages serve as a a good witness of how uh, a Jewish and Gentile person can have a flourishing, healthy, beautiful marriage and the common um, thing that keeps them together is the Messiah. And that's the most important thing in keeping um, at the forefront of the marriage is having Yeshua, Jesus as the center of it. Yes. Awesome. You know, Tina and I, our burden has always been for and we do a lot of counseling of married couples, both premarital and postmarital. And marriage is hard enough. <laughs> but when you add in the factor of a Jewish Gentile marriage, it's just another variable that makes that marriage just a little bit harder. And what we found is that unless, as Toby said, unless God and Messiah is at the middle of it, uh, it becomes really, really hard. But when he is yeah. in the middle of it, I mean, I can probably say if I had not come to faith, I don't know that Tina and I would have celebrated our 30th, 38th anniversary this past year. 
but because of him, uh, our marriage is stronger than it's ever been and our love is greater. Yeah, I agree. That's interesting because like, when I think about um, a religious Jewish person um, marrying a Gentile person who um, is you know, not a believer or anything like that, I do find that there are a lot of clashes that happen. But as I was talking to you all, it, <laughs> I'm just kind of overwhelmed by the beauty in your marriages, you know, and that's why I felt like we needed to shift the conversation because it, it didn't seem like there was tension. It didn't seem like there was a real hardship in your marriages um, for long. Once Jesus came into the picture, there was this unity and this oneness you, that, that just really just grew. And, and so that's why I felt like, man, there's, there's a shift happening in this conversation that I want to highlight. Go ahead, Tina. Sorry. Oh, um, no, I, that's a hundred percent true. Like Dennis said, we've been married 38 years. There were many years that were very, very difficult, even as believers, right. as we were being mentored, there were times that it got real ugly because we were learning as we were growing in our faith to not live by the old man and the old fleshly ways. Mm -hmm. And we were learning to trust in Yeshua Jesus as our Messiah in our relationship and, and regarding everything. And that's why we have a heart for mentoring singles, couples. We want believers, Jew and Gentile, to understand the freedom they have in Messiah, mm -hmm. that they don't have to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, that that there is an answer for everything if people will just humble themselves and be willing to sit and listen and, and be teachable. Mm. So there, there were some really hard times, but we don't find, at least in our situations, that it was because of Jewish Gentile issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Actually, my only closing thought is just to thank you to allowing the four of us uh, to share our hearts and share our marriages with people. Agreed. Yes. No, thank you again for this. Same. Olive Tree of Marriages paint a beautiful picture of what God's kingdom will look like when Yeshua returns. Jew and Gentile united together under one Messiah. No marriage is easy, and for olive tree marriages, the challenge can be unique, but the joys of these marriages make the journey worth it. Please pray for couples like the Mans and the Carps as God continues to use these marriages to minister to others, reflecting the love of our Messiah to Jew and Gentile alike. In closing, we want to leave you with a quote from Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Our Hope. This episode was made possible thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Nicole Vaca, Grace Sweet, Kyron Bautista, Dennis and Tina Karp, and Toby and Natalie Mann. Until next time.
Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out OurHoPodcast.com or ChosenPeople.com. See you next time.